the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. On our program, we take the issues of the day and look at them from a Christian perspective. Here's a question for you. Do you believe in miracles? I don't mean like hockey games that uh, turn out really well for us. I mean biblical miracles. And I want to be careful here. I'm talking specifically about the miracles in the Bible. So this is not a discussion about whether or not miracles happen today. You know, I'm talking about whether the miracles in the Bible actually happened. You know, do you struggle with that? Do you read your Bible and go, ah, that didn't happen? You know, or do you struggle with some and not some others? You know, which ones? Uh, happened and which ones didn't happen. And I'm asking because some of the battles that are forming in our education system, many of the things that we are seeing in the battles that are having, that we're having outside of our schools and in that conversation are coming out of some assumptions about the faith, some assumptions about religion and other things, uh, and mostly Christianity, that, you know, it's not directly being stated, although we're hearing it more and more often. But the notion that religion isn't true in general, and in particular Christianity, seems to be the assumption behind a lot of the philosophical thinking. You know, and so here's some questions for you. Did Jesus really rise again from the dead? That's not something that happens. We would say, except for the idea of a deity and a miraculous supernatural event, that doesn't happen. Right? People do not come back. We do not teach our children, even in Christianity, that people are going to come back from the grave. We, we teach them that they will eventually when there's the last resurrection, but when somebody's gone, they're gone. And we inform about death the way that you need to, and we say if they knew Jesus, we'll see them again, those kinds of things. Um, did Jesus really heal people? Did the apostles really heal people as it's described in the Bible? Did the Red Sea really divide and people go through it? Uh, did Jesus really turn water to wine? I want to give you an example. It was in an opinion piece from today's Washington Post that I think will show you some of the assumptions that are made about the factual quality of public education, which I would respond and say, and see, the idea is that public education, what's being taught in the schools, that's all factual. But what you're learning in church, what you're learning in religious schools or Christian schools is baloney, right? And this is an interesting article because those assumptions are there. And it's interesting to me, too, because you know, what we're the reason that we're having these conversations that parents are protesting, and not just conservative or religious parents, but parents across the board are protesting things, oddly enough, is because the public school is saying that, uh, in not everywhere, but many places, that men can have babies and men can menstruate. And I wonder which is harder to believe at the end of the day, that Jesus is risen or that men can have babies. I mean, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, this is Vice President Kamala Harris. She says something. She's trying to hold the line, but she can't even do it. Listen to this. 
And also, in the thing that she's been doing and what doulas will advocate for is you as the, the pregnant person, as a pregnant woman. She tries to say pregnant person, but she can't. She just can't do that. She has to say woman. What advocate for is you as the, the pregnant person, as a pregnant woman, create a team. Mm. You as the, the See, pregnant you, person, as a pregnant woman. See, she is advised she's supposed to say pregnant person because now you have to be inclusive of all genders and men in particular. She can't even do it because it's absurd. She knows it's absurd. I wish that she would just say it. But uh, she is, uh, you know, a part of whatever is causing that. Um, I find it really interesting that on the one hand, we're going to say that religion isn't true. We're teaching things that are fantasy. And at the same time, we're going to teach that men can have babies and other things. You can join the conversation. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. All right, so the assumptions that I'm talking about. I think we need to understand that there's an assumption that there that uh, there is no deity. It's not held by the government or public schools. And see, when you have that assumption, it makes it easier to believe whatever you want, right? If there is no God, that means that there is no actual truth other than what you can experience or make for yourself. And then when you're dead, you're dead. And whenever uh, the sun blows up one day and uh, destroys the earth and the, and the solar system, well, that's it, right? And there's nothing else and that you're just dust in the wind. And that also means, unfortunately, that there's not really uh, morality, right? Not really, right? That at the end of the day, if you can get away with it and not get caught, then it's fine. That there's, there's no judgment afterward, right? There's no accountability for murders or rapes or terrible things that people do if you get away with it. And that is very hard to reconcile when you believe that there is a God, when you believe that there is judgment, when there is accountability, that all of our secret things will be revealed at one point, well, that changes your mind about whether or not you should do this. And it also causes human beings in every culture to seek out what might actually be true. That's where religion comes from. That's why every culture has religion. That's why every culture has philosophy, trying to figure out, is there a God or not? And if there is a God, what does that God want from us? Uh, Philosophy and religion. There is an assumption that is being carried forward today that all religion is false. And a pet peeve of mine is the coexist bumper sticker. You might have one of those, and and maybe you just didn't think through it. But the coexist bumper sticker, you know what it is. It's got the uh, the different letters in the word coexist. Each letter is a symbol of a different religion or philosophy. So the T at the end would be the cross for Christianity. The C at the beginning uh, is uh, the crescent moon of Islam, and each one of those has something. The thing is, is that, you know, yes— People can coexist uh, most of the time. In fact, mostly those religions have, you know, done well. You know, over time, there's one in particular that seems to have uh, a problem more often. Um, but there's something behind it that says, you know, what religions should coexist because they're all equally true, which means they're all equally false. By the way, that's the thing. If all religions are true, or if all religions lead to God, then none of them are really accurate. Because they they contradict. They don't believe in the same God. They don't believe in the same type of God. They don't believe, you know, some believe in a personal God. Some believe in a a God who is just uh, the universe. There's so many different ways. It doesn't work. So there's an article in the uh, Washington Post today. It says, taxpayers shouldn't be paying for religious schools. It's by Kate Cohen. Kate Cohen is a uh, opinion writer. She writes in the uh, Post once in a while. Most of her articles are anti-Christian in one way or the other, or very much in favor of getting any talk about God out of the government or even out of the public square in different ways, okay? Well, recently in the state of Oklahoma, and this is a controversial thing. It's definitely controversial enough to be 
you know, to be talked about and debated, and that's fine. The Oklahoma Statewide uh, Virtual Charter School Board recently made a decision to allow the Catholic Church to operate a public school, public school, in uh, in Oklahoma, in some rural areas. So what they're dealing with is that there are some areas where there just isn't enough people, there isn't enough tax dollars to actually put in a public school, and yet you need to have education out there. And they said, well, the church is out there. Let's let the, let's, you know, Catholics have churches. Let's have schools. Let's let them put a school and uh, we'll fund it. Okay. So you can see why that would be controversial, right? Because now you have kind of a religious public school um, you know, that's coming from a particular specific religious background, right? Part of the part of the idea of the Establishment Clause is that the government doesn't side with any religion, right? That it allows you to have the freedom to be in what religion you want to, but we're not going to pick one for you. Um, and the argument that's going on in that state is, well, it sounds like the government is picking your religion by, by allowing this. So they're going to have that argument, and that's fine. But that's not really what our argument is about here in this article. What she's going to say is this. And she's attacking the idea of direct funding of religious schools because something that is going on across the country and it's growing in popularity along with all the arguments that we're having about school is school choice and the idea that rather than um, you having to pay extra for a, a private school or a Christian school um, or a religious school if you're in another faith, that the tax dollars that would otherwise have gone to your child in the public school that they no longer get, by the way, because you took your kid out, that the public money would follow your child to wherever it is that you take them for education, including homeschool, including other options. Depends on the state and there's some different things. But the idea is that rather than fund schools, that maybe we should fund students and give parents the opportunity to have a taxpayer account that says, you know what, I think that my kid would do better if I put them in this school over here. And you can put them in a public school or you can put them in a private school. You can put them in a Christian school. You can put them in uh, through homeschool or a charter school. And it gives parents the right to make that choice. And it's a big deal. In California, if you add up, Gavin Newsom recently said that if you add up everything that is paid per student, including union dues, and you really start throwing in how much money is spent per student in California, it's about $23,000 a student. What would you do with $23,000 for your kids? I've got two kids. So with that, that's $46,000. And I can't spend it on me. I can't go you know, buy a car. I can't do stuff like that. It can only be used in these laws for education. But $46,000, you know, you can hire a private tutor for that and uh, do pretty well. You could get together with, uh, you know, say, eight or nine other families with their kids and start a little homeschool and pay the teacher super well. You know, uh, that is an option. There's so many options. And the belief is that that would make public schools better because you would they would need to compete. Otherwise, everyone's going to take their kid out. Everyone's going to start their own school. You know, you can start one in the church down the street. That's, that's probably what would happen if you really gave everybody that much money. So she's attacking that whole idea. But here's some of the things that she says. She begins to talk about the possibility of fringe schools, so that if you're going to let one religion, if you're going to let the Catholics start a school, or if you're going to let a Christian school start, and it would be mostly Christians, I think, doing schools, but there would be a Muslim school, and there would be uh, schools from some other religions, uh, most likely. Then she talks about the fringe. That's always the, the argument. So the fringe is you're going to have a Satan school. 
And at this school, they're going to teach you all the good things about Satan, apparently, and you're going to have a Satanist school. No one's going to start a Satanist school, because if you really want to study Satan, uh, eventually, eventually in the study of Satan, you're going to have to get to that point where Satan and his followers are cast into the lake of fire. And that kind of undoes the whole uh, philosophy there. Uh, for you. So that's not even real. But then she says, but you don't have to slip down this particular slope to understand the danger of a state-funded Christian school. So she wants to focus on what she calls the dangers of state-funded Christian schools, okay? So it's very much about Christian schools. It's broader than just this case in Oklahoma. She's worried about this happening everywhere. Um, But this is some of what she says. And I think it's important for us to understand that this is the approach that is, if you're older, if you're an older American, this isn't the approach that people would have had most of your life, but it is the approach now. She says this, because our nation persistently defers to religion, which annoys her, we have given religious institutions, including parochial schools, the right to ignore anti-discrimination laws and employment protections. All right, which is true. If you are a religious school, if you are a church, for example, there are certain things you don't have to do in your employment practices. For example, as a pastor, and I hire people, I'm allowed to ask them what their religious point of view is. You can't do that for a regular company. You can do that for a church. I shouldn't be forced, if I'm a Baptist minister, I shouldn't be forced to to hire the Muslim uh, youth director. And in the same token, the imam over at the Muslim school shouldn't be forced to hire the Baptist youth director, right? There, You should have that if you're going to have religious schools. You should have the ability to ask people to uh, agree with your theology. That's the whole point. And so religious schools and churches they have the ability to do things different when it comes to hiring and firing and different things, and they can have opinions. They can have religious opinions about transgenderism, uh, about abortion, uh, which she doesn't say abortion. She says reproductive health care. It's another one of those things, you know, if if you can't say it, if you've got to use a euphemism, you're probably on the wrong side of the argument. That's just, just something I think. I think if you have to put on a mask or a hood over your head to go protest about something, you're probably on the wrong side of the argument. Otherwise, you'd just show your face. Same thing here. If you have to use a euphemism, if you can't just say abortion, well, then you're probably, you've got a reason why you don't want to say that. Anyway, so actions like that, she points out, would be illegal in secular settings. And uh, she's correct. That's correct. Then she says this. She says, that's bad enough, but there's another problem. And this is where she gets into it. Mixing church and state and public schools means that instead of funding education, the government is funding miseducation. So never mind the whole men can have babies business. That's okay. But it's not okay to mix church and state and public schools because now you're funding miseducation. She says, don't take it from me. Take it from studies that have shown that greater exposure to religion makes children less capable of distinguishing fact from fiction. So she makes, she's going to make this case that if you are religious, if you take your kids to church, if you teach religion in your household, if you teach that miracles have happened, that the miracles that you read about in the Bible are true, that they actually occurred, if you teach that, what she is arguing is that you're damaging your children, that they become a human being that is less capable of distinguishing facts from fiction. Uh And then she cites a study. I'll get into that here in just a second. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. Do you believe in miracles that are in the Bible? That's the question I'm asking. So not, not the conversation about do miracles still happen today and those kinds of things, but 
when you read the Bible and there are miracles and you're an adult or you're a kid or your kids read them and you teach them to your kids, maybe you're doing it at home or maybe at Sunday school or maybe at a Christian school, do you believe the miracles in the Bible really happened? 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, sir. Ted City Angels, Pastor Scott, thank you so much for your service. Um, so the question is, is, uh, do I believe in the miracles? I believe in every, every bit of it. So you believe and, all of it. So uh, Jesus turned water to wine. I believe that all of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean stuff that you got drunk on. You know, we know it. We know there was organisms in the Nile that was killing rich and poor and they strained and strained and strained it, you know. Well, uh, we know so, that people got drunk though. There's all kinds of Bible verses about drunkenness and orgies and things that go along with all of that and don't do it. So you must get drunk on something. Exactly. But I don't believe that Jesus uh, created a stiff wine because it says to not mess with the stiff stuff. And it Where does it say that? Uh, it, it doesn't say that, 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 that we're not supposed to uh, it mess, says we're, mess with the We're not supposed to, uh, to, to get drunk, to have too much wine. Okay, well, I mean, to me, to get drunk, you have to. You have to it's just like if you're going to try to drink near beer, uh, you're going to have to drink a 12-pack to equivalent one drink, so... Well, there's different, know, argu- have- there's different arguments about that, but whatever it is, you would say you don't have a problem going through the Bible and believing that. You know, do you, do you, do you have, um, uh, have you run into it somewhere? Do you feel like that, that changes, I guess this is the better question, is do you feel like that changes your ability to determine what's real or not in regular life today? Meaning, you know, are there, did somebody see a UFO or not, right, is... Do you understand well, what I'm I mean, saying? Because what she's arguing in this is that kids are, are being taught to not be able to understand the difference between fact and fiction. Yeah, I, I think uh, basically she's anti-Christian in any way, shape, or form. It's all about the Christians. She doesn't attack any other faith. Uh, to me, and to me, that's uh, uh, anti-American. You know, we're not to attack uh, people. We're just to go for the truth, which is the Word of God which, uh, you know, a minister uh, mm. on another channel, 12 o'clock at night, talked about um, that uh, we don't debate. We just go to the truth, which is the Word of God, and we don't want to hear your opinion. Let's see what the Word of God says. And as far as I'm concerned, the Bible is the only one that actually has documented stuff that that is still there, like the chariots of the Egyptian army that's pursuing um, uh you know, um, Moses uh, are sitting at the bottom of the ocean. You can look it up on your phone. I mean, it's all backed up with documented stuff where other faiths don't have that. So why should I all of a sudden not believe the Bible? So you would ultimately asks- say that there's a, there's a reason, there's some reason behind belief in, in miracles. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's not Disneyland. Disneyland is, is, is a joke. <laughs> well, there's a reason you know? behind the, the magic, you know, in the haunted house and stuff. It's mirrors and special things. But you can logically figure yeah. that out. Ted, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Isaac in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. How are you, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Isaac? Oh, I'm blessed. God is good. I spoke to you uh, a couple weeks ago in regards to the... Uh, video that I did that got 12 million hits in regards to speaking Oh, out. yes. Uh, Isaac, I looked up your video. <laughs> I yeah. found it. I remember who you are. You're the uh, 
You were asked in a viral video to uh, – it was some kind of instruction on dancing, right? And then uh, they they brought out some men in drag and asked you to dance with them, and you you were going to have nothing nothing to do with that. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's been yeah, you're like you're like famous. You're YouTube yeah, famous. Uh, you're probably are you getting any cut of that? You know, you probably should look into that. To God be the glory. I've already started writing a song about what you said when you first came on, and the name of the song is "A Man Is a Man and a Woman Is a Woman." And if anybody wants to know about miracles, all they have to do is um, go to James. One verse five. Let him ask the God to give it to all men liberally, bravely did not, and it shall be given him. And the Holy Spirit, if they come sincerely, God will will touch their their brain and their their their, their being and let them know that those miracles in the Bible, every one of them, is true. You have to come like a child, though. You can't come with a, a bad attitude, like a, 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 a I'm not going to believe it, you know. Because you don't want to uh, uh, commit the unpardonable sin, which is a uh, for me of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want God to give you over to a reprobate mind. Yeah. You know, Isaac, I, I appreciate that. I'm gonna I got to go to a break here in a minute. Thanks for calling and uh, reminding me who you are with the uh, the video. Uh, and you said something there that I think is is very relevant to our conversation. That we need to come to this like a child. Okay, so what we're talking about is an article, an opinion piece in the Washington Post that says that it, the argument is against, you know, state funding of religious schools, either by, you know, by one way or the other, your tax dollars going to help kids get into uh, Christian schools. Um, but she's saying that it's about miseducation. What she's going to go on to do is say that religious schools, the greater exposure to religion, she says, makes children less capable of distinguishing fact from fiction. And I've thought through all of this that the interesting thing is that Jesus tells us to approach faith like a child. And children, actually, when you go through these studies, they seem to be able, and I'll share that when we come back here in just a second, they seem to be able to determine that Santa Claus is uh, one thing and Jesus is another. Um, I'm trying to be careful just in case you got, you know, your four-year-old in the car and you're listening right now, if you know what I mean. 888-528-2557. The question I'm asking is, do you believe in the miracles of the Bible? Not do you, not do you believe in miracles happening today and that kind of thing, and that's a different conversation. But just the, the miracles that you would read about in the Bible, did they happen or not? Do you struggle with that? What do you think? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, Keith and Dan and uh, several other callers I see online. I'll get your calls as soon as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. There's an article, uh, opinion piece, in the Washington Post. It's called Taxpayers Shouldn't Be Paying for Religious Schools by Kate Cohen. And uh, Kate Cohen usually writes against Christian points of view in the government or in the public square, those kinds of things. And here she's writing against public funding of Christian schools. And you can have that debate. There's a lot of people who have that debate, and that's one thing. But where she is getting at, this is what she talks about. She says this. She says, mixing church and state in public schools means that instead of funding education, the government is funding miseducation. 
She says, don't take it from me. Take it from studies that have shown greater exposure to religion makes children less capable of distinguishing fact from fiction. So she's saying that religious schools, if you're teaching your child, and ultimately she goes on to say, even if it's just church school or Sunday school, wherever, if you're teaching religion or mostly Christianity she's referring to here, then children are not going to be able to decipher between fact and fiction. The interesting thing, and you always got to look, studies have shown, there's probably a study for everything, right? Um, the studies that she quotes, there's two of them. And in both studies, they're talking about five and six-year-old children. Okay, five and six-year-old children who they assumed something in it. They said this. They said that in realistic stories that only included ordinary events, all children, irrespective of their background and schooling, claimed that the protagonist was a real person. In religious stories that included ordinarily impossible events brought about by divine intervention, claims that about the status of the protagonist varied sharply with exposure to religion. Children who went to church or were enrolled in a parochial school or both judged the protagonist in religious stories to be a real person, whereas secular children with no exposure to religion judged the protagonist in religious stories to be fictional. And the studies themselves actually make the assumption that the religious point of view is wrong and particularly the the miracles in the Bible are not real, and so we're doing a disservice, these five- and six-year-olds, that they might believe that they're real. And it assumes religion to be false, and that's where she's coming from. And that's one of the things I'm talking about here today is that this— There is an assumption out there that religion and Christianity in particular is just false, and that's why it should be um, that, you know, parochial schools or Christian schools should not be supported by school choice or vouchers or different kinds of programs here. And she's also—the studies are also talking about five- and six-year-olds, okay? Uh, It's not talking about 10- and 11-year-olds. You know, at some point, your kid comes to a determination about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, and— that doesn't mean that they're going to reject what they read in Scripture because it's a different thing. And as one caller, Isaac, pointed out before the break, you know, we're supposed to be like children. And it's interesting that children have the ability to discern what is fantasy and silly stories that you tell kids one day versus things that are required that, you know, that faith requires us to believe, such as the miracles in Scripture. They seem to be able to differentiate that quite well. 888-528-2557. So my question to you out there is, do you believe in the miracles of the Bible? So I'm not talking about modern-day miracles or the discussion about do miracles still happen, those kinds of things. That's not what this discussion is for today. This is just, do you believe the miracles in the Bible, that you go through and you read the Bible and Jesus turns water to wine, Jesus raises from the dead, virgin birth, parting of the Red Sea? Do you believe those to be true? 888-528-2557. Keith in Thousand Oaks, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, thank you. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Keith. Well, um, I wanted to start off by saying thank you for your show on this topic, but um, when I grew up, I was kind of a atheist slash agnostic, so I didn't believe in any of the miracles of the Bible, you know, and I wasn't familiar with them. But then when I became a Christian, my first hurdle, or before I became a Christian, my first hurdle was believing in in God. And then once I believed in God, then all of the miracles, believing in angels, believing in Satan, all of that was kind of within the ballpark of believing in God. So all of that became easy, you know, once I believed in God. So, you know, sure, I believe in all of the miracles once I believed in the bigger question of do I believe in God, 
So, uh, yes, I do. Yeah. And, and, and so then the other thing was, um, you know, in school, uh, it seems to me the other thing is, uh, to kind of flip the page a little bit, it seems to me there's a lot of things to put it, make them on the defensive a little bit. There's a lot of things being taught in school that should be questioned. Uh, you know, you have a lot of things like an evolution that have been proven to be false, you know, like the Piltdown Man and, and things where they have uh, been doing things that have been false. And I'm sure other things that will be turned up that, that, you know, they were, people were doing things that weren't um, kosher, so to speak. So, you know, uh, why not, uh, you know, it's saying, oh, the religious people are doing these things that are wrong to harm um, uh, uh, their children. But, but what about all the things that, that people in the secular world have done that are harmful as well? You yeah. know, why not take a look in the mirror as well? And that's one so, of the things that I know, find really shocking about this story here is that we're talk we're in a time where we're talking about men having the ability to menstruate and have babies and that's being taught as a real thing and we're worried about whether or not a kid a five-year-old is going to accept miracles in the bible yeah and, and you know which which from our perspective is absolutely true and leads to their moral and spiritual development, which is the healthiest thing on the planet. That's right. And, and of course, we're in an upside-down world, so of course they're going to question it. Yeah. Keith, thank you very much for calling the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. Oscar, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, yeah, hi, Pastor. Love your show. Thank you, Oscar. Um, wanted to say about the, uh, there's a chapter in the Bible, don't much remember what it is, but that it says about what these people are saying and all these religions say that all all the uh, religions uh, take to God and no, it's just one, because even the Bible says that it, it is a, an abomination to God to the, the mixtures, the different religions and stuff like that. Don't much remember it is Leviticus or something like that, but it says, that the mixtures he just don't like and it's unacceptable and it's only one way and it's through Jesus Yeshua to get to him and he's the unique mediator between man and God and uh, I heard someone mention about Disneyland yeah Disneyland is the same, the same thing as Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, it's just as bad as, as what they are and that's why uh, I kind of yeah. like uh, Ron DeSantis because oh. he don't agree with Disneyland and kick them out of Miami and all right, same all right. we should do here. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We want to stick with the the miracles discussion uh, for now, but I oh, appreciate. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So I'm you sorry. you believe yeah, the I miracles the in the Bible, right? Uh, all the way, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And not hundred percent. I mean, yes, I do believe it. I don't use the hundred percent, but yeah, all, yeah, I believe the Bible, the Torah, and yeah, I do believe. Yeah. Uh, all right, Oscar. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. In an article, uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post, the writer is saying that religious schools uh, teach misinformation to kids and should never have tax dollars uh, because of that. And so, there's certainly arguments about whether the government should fund Christian schools. That's one argument. But her argument is that. Uh, it is teaching kids to believe things that are clearly not true, that are impossible, because she rejects the idea of religion and specifically Christianity. And I thought, you know what? Do we believe that the miracles in the Bible are true? 
Um, and uh, one of our callers, Ken, just a minute ago, he said something I think that is, I just want to go back to that if you, once he believed, once he understood that he believed in God, once he accepted the idea that there is God, that God is the creator, miracles at that point become a lot easier to believe because he's God. And if we're trying to just, you know, a method for all of us, if we're trying to figure out how a miracle which is a supernatural event. We can't do it because it's supernatural. Okay, if we're trying to figure out how God does something, uh, or trying to put God in our box, saying, "Well, God, you couldn't have done that because it can't be done." Here's an interesting uh, quote uh, that I got. It is uh, uh, an idea that's from C.S. Lewis, not C.S. Lewis, um, Tim Keller. And uh, Tim Keller, uh, he said this. He said, "The thing is about miracles that we need to understand is that it isn't God." taking time to break the natural order. Miracles are God showing us what the natural order is meant to be. That with God, it is the idea here is that God, if God exists and God is who he said he is, then when God decides to do a miracle, it's not breaking the natural order. It is the natural order. It's part of it that we can't understand and we can't replicate, but it is something that God can do and we cannot and that is a big part of understanding the miracles that are in Scripture. 888-528-2557. Chris and Whittier, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. You know, of course I believe in the miracles that happen, but it's a little bit of a red herring um, whether or not you believe in them, because those miracles, we weren't firsthand witnesses to those things. Mm. However, God is not like David Copperfield, doing miracles for the oohs and the ahs of people. He was simply getting things done that had to get done. The Red Sea was in the way. The Egyptians were coming, so just get rid of the Red Sea. Get out of the way. Well, and an interesting thing about that is he didn't do it in secret. Millions of people saw the Red Sea get parted, including the non-believers. But, I mean, it was those people that saw it. And and the point that it was done for them to witness— played a purpose in that point of history that can't be replicated all through history. Mm. So I mean, even when you hear about a miracle that happened two years ago, if you didn't see it, then all you're really being asked them to believe, do you believe in the person that told you that that happened? Because right. you didn't really witness it yourself. And this is the knot that the, the uh, government and the secular world is tying themselves into, because now they're postulating ridiculous things about the sexes being the same, which they're clearly not. Yeah, you know, even messing around with math, that math isn't exactly logical and the answers are tied to racism, all these untethering actions to remove the the um, the anchor lines that anchor us down into truth. They're using that they're tying themselves in the same knot to where if you put your faith in the government and you're putting your faith in something that where there's no truth tethered to anything. That's why my faith and my belief is in God himself. Now, the miracles that happen, I believe in God, therefore I believe in the miracles, but I didn't witness those miracles happen, and they weren't, certainly they weren't done directly for my benefit, they were done so that the reputation of God would descend through the centuries and land on my doorstep in 2023, and I would have confidence that God can do what he needs to do. It's like the aquarium, the fish aquarium. Is it a miracle when the fish aquarium lid comes off and a hand comes down and moves that boulder out of the way of the filtration? <laughs> what do all the fish think? Oh my God, it's a miracle. 
You know, right. that's kind of us <laughs> yeah. having God intervene in our world. Right. The real world is outside the fish tank. Yeah. Chris, I'm a little over. I'm, artificial world. I'm so getting over on the break. Yeah. Chris, I appreciate it. I'm getting over on the break. I got to take a break. Thank you for calling the uh, Pastor Scott show. You know, and he points out something here that's really important is the miracles also, we, we received them because of eyewitness testimony, right? That's why we weren't there. But the testimony matters a lot because most of the miracles in the Bible were witnessed by other people. And, you know, as Paul later says in the book of Acts, these things weren't done in a corner, right? It's not something that happens in a secret room and then we come out with some testimony, but nobody really saw it. Nobody can really prove that it's true. I got to take a break. I am over. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Do you believe in the miracles of the Bible? Do you think that distorts, if you're teaching kids, do you think it distorts their ability to perceive reality from fiction? 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show, Tuesday edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, talking about miracles, the kind of miracles that are in the Bible. The reason I'm talking about it is from a, an opinion piece in the Washington Post today that is talking about why she doesn't believe we should give tax dollars to uh, public schools. And that's a, it's an okay discussion to have that. But her argument is that <clears throat> what's happening is that exposure to religion, she says, makes children less capable of distinguishing fact from fiction. And she goes on to talk about how studies say that five- and six-year-old children um, when they read uh, the Bible and see the miracles, that they think they're true. And uh, we can't have that. That's what she's saying. She's arguing that. So she's making the assumption that those miracles cannot have happened <clears throat> and that we're somehow harming kids by allowing them to believe that they happen. And an interesting thing here, I'll get to your calls here in uh, just a second to see all of you up there, is she's making the assumption that the religious views, that particularly miracles, are in fact not real assuming the that religion is false. And, uh, you know, she goes on to say that even if the religious school, the Christian schools, you're really talking about Christian schools mostly here, she says, goes on and does well at teaching science and and math and English and reading and those kinds of things, she says this is still a problem. She says, quote, even so, the school will still teach in its theology curriculum that God is the source of truth, beauty, and human beings, and that he provided a path to salvation through Jesus who suffered, died, and was resurrected, and that human persons are destined for eternal life, but that an individual may reject God's invitation and end up in hell. Yeah, they might teach that. And she thinks that that is the part that is fictional, that that's made up. And she's alarmed that a child might believe that. You know, this is a person, she's saying that those things aren't fact, and they shouldn't be taught as their fact. Um, and, you know, she says specifically that shouldn't be taught as fact in the same way that we teach about the Emancipation Proclamation or the life cycle of a butterfly. But see, that's a misunderstanding of what faith is, about what Christianity is. We do believe those things are true. Uh, and, you know, that's generally what religion is, right? It's the idea that we believe these things to be true, and so therefore we're going to put our faith in the God that we believe has revealed himself in this way. And in Christianity, we believe that Jesus did die for his sins, and whoever believes in him will have everlasting life, and that you can be made into a new creation. She even then goes to make a childish argument 
The argument she makes is, but imagine granting a public school charter to a school that planned to teach as part of its K-12 curriculum that when we die, our souls end up inside, a te- inside the television characters of our choice unless we have behaved abnormally, abominably in life, and then they end up on C-SPAN. Yeah, that's kind of funny. You know, I probably have too much George Costanza in me, I'll, you know, but that's an absurd childish argument. No one's teaching that. No one would teach that. That's not what religion is. You know, I think, and I'll take your calls here in a minute, you know, I think one of the reasons that we should wrap our mind around what we think about miracles is the miracles in the Bible, and that's what we're talking about right now. We're not talking about the argument, uh, do miracles still happen today in a biblical sense, and you know, Christians disagree on on some of that. That's not what this argument is, but the arguments in the Bible, we need to do a better idea at explaining what faith is, that we don't just believe miracles because we don't have any basis for that belief. We believe that there is a God who is capable of that, that miracles are, you know, maybe we use that word in ways that uh, maybe we use it too often. You know, uh, one writer in his book, he had a whole chapter dedicated to why we shouldn't say it's a miracle when a flower blooms, because science can actually show why a flower blooms. It's a miracle that the seed exists in the first place. It's a miracle that the universe is here. We can't explain that. Um, Be careful about what we call miracles, even though maybe all of life is a miracle. Um, We have to be careful about that, and we have to be careful to proclaim that God has done something um, that he hasn't actually done, and that is a big problem these days. We have to do better at explaining that when you believe that there is a God, then you and if you believe that Jesus is God and that he rose again from the grave— And the other miracles that you see in the scriptures, and there's not really a lot of them, frankly. There's a bunch, but there's not a lot. All of them are easy to believe. Most of them have are well witnessed. You know, people get healed in the Bible. They're people who everybody in town knows is sick, and then everybody in town knows that they got healed, and everybody in town knows who did it. They just don't know how he did it. How did you get healed, sir? I don't know. All I can tell you is I was blind and now I see. And the public argument isn't about whether or not that person was sick or healed. The public argument is how did that happen? That is what we see in the scripture, and that's really important. All right, let me try to race through a couple of calls here, 888-528-2557. Liz and Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello, Pastor Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I actually am a public school teacher, and I don't teach a lot of things that people are complaining about. Maybe we're just in the bubble. But yes, I believe in the miracles. And my daughter is a testament to it. She came close to dying. She's written up in a medical journal that only reinforced what I already believed. Yeah. Yes, I do believe in all the miracles. And you're a Christian in the public schools? Absolutely, yes. thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, I know that we talk a lot about uh, the, the troubles that are there, but I know that you're in a particularly difficult situation, but hang in there. And, uh, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you to you as well. And holding on to the truth. All right. Thank you, Liz. 888-528-2557. Jackie in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, uh, yes. Hi. Um, when you brought up the subject, I, of course, I believe in the miracles 100% because the Word is the truth. The Word is God. And it's in the Bible. So everything that in the Bible is true. It's in um, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. So everything that is in this Bible is the truth. So yes, I believe in the in the miracles that are in the Bible. Thank you, That's Jackie. That's what I wanted to do. Do you Thank think that you. Jackie, you've got uh you have kids, you have grandkids? 
Yes, I have three kids and seven grandkids. Yeah, do you think it it somehow is disturbing their ability to know uh, fact uh, or you know, reality from fiction because they learn about the miracles in the Bible? No, because um, I think it's our responsibility to teach them. Yeah. So that that's what I've been doing with my with my grandkids. I I've been teaching them. So. I, I I just put the word into them, the prayers in them, and I could see the blessings of the Lord just just being on them. So that's my that's how I feel. Thank so you, thank Jackie. You. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Uh, Fernando, Ontario, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, thank you for my uh, my call. I just want to um, remind ourselves one of the scriptures the the Lord Jesus says. And uh, um, John twenty twenty nine, which says Jesus says to him, "Because you have seen me, have you believed it? Mm. Blessed are dead who did not see and yet believe it." Yes. So those two things, you know, people that see miracles, they believe. What about those ones that we don't see, you know, but we do believe? It's not much the 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 uh, healing or uh, the miracle, you know. In my case. I was uh, uh, epileptic for so many years since I was uh, 16, and God healed me mm. from that. So uh, some things that I have seen, and there are things that I'm not seeing, but I'm believing. Yeah. But God is God, a real God. He is. He is real, and uh, thank you for that, Fernando, for sharing. I'm glad that you're doing better. That's awesome. Um, you know, um, that is a great verse, really, to end our discussion on here, because you have seen me, you have believed. It's easy when you see it, right? A lot of people ask for proof. Uh, Thomas asked for proof. You know, we call Thomas uh, Doubting Thomas, which is kind of unfortunate, because really he's Thomas the realist, right? He's like, oh, i got to see that this guy rose from the grave. Why? Well, it's because people don't rise from the grave. And he did, and he saw him, and then he believed, Right. Um, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. After Jesus ascended, the rest of us have to take it by faith. And we have to take the eyewitness stories by faith, that they're not making it up, and there's plenty of reason to believe that they're not. There's plenty of reason to understand that the miracles that are in the Bible actually happened. And part of the reason is is how history changed, how so many things uh, changed around those things, and in particular, the resurrection. You know, one of the things God always wants from us is faith. He's not asking us to have faith in things that are not true. He's asking us to have faith in what is true, what's revealed in the Scripture, and in who He is and what He has done for us. The assumptions that we see in our culture today that our faith is untrue, like what we read in the Washington Post today, um, those things are shown to be ridiculous as they are, as some things that are taught in secular world today are clearly untrue. Some we just go on to understand later untrue. Some of the things philosophically today are obviously not true. And so I think that should, in a way, bolster us that uh, our kids are capable of understanding the difference between fact and reality. And your Christian kids, they can understand the difference between a biblical miracle and a magic show or something in uh, a fantasy book somewhere else. Kids are very good at that, actually, turns out. All right, I got to be done. We got a great guest with us when we come back. His name is uh, Chaplain Ed Rocha. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.